name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful, dear brothers and sisters, we decided to dedicate this episode to answering your questions, those questions which we didn't have time to touch upon in the previous video. So let's begin. The first question is from Aslan from Chechnya, who is asking, in one of the videos it was said that the Prophets are not allowed to write with their own hand. Why was it said and what is the reason for that? First of all, this is due to interpretations. When only written information is imparted without understanding of the essence, it would cause literal interpretation, hair-splitting and formalism, which would influence people's choice. Secondly, the manuscripts themselves would be declared sacred objects. And what would happen next? People would arrange wars for the manuscripts, would hunt for them, and so on, and so forth. And thirdly, what about the people's right of choice? To distort the essence of what the Prophet conveyed or to impart this knowledge in purity from generation to generation in purity and in a living form, just like people themselves live when they live by this knowledge and convey it to subsequent generations through their experience, exactly the living and conscious experience of their own everyday life. So, it is when people impart the knowledge to subsequent generations as something living, not as some rigid form, some rules, and so on, but exactly as something living. In this regard, I would like to read out an extract from the book Alatra, where a little different thing is said. Yet, this extract may be given in the context of our topic because it precisely relates to the transfer of knowledge. This is akin to taking an apple and comparing it to the shape of the soul in its transitional state. You can say that the soul is approximately the same, around in shape, that its shells have yellow and red colors. Just like an apple ripens in the sun as a fruit, so does the soul, figuratively speaking, ripen when a person develops spiritually. Thus, if the spiritual component of this knowledge is lost, then for the next generations an apple will become a sacred fruit that will be worshipped because it was written down in the sacred texts of their ancestors. That's exactly how the animal mind, meaning Iblis, materializes everything spiritual in the human system in order to establish his power. In the Quran, we also find a confirmation of what Mahdi has said. In Surah 29, Ayat 48, it is mentioned, And you did not recite before it any scripture, nor did you inscribe one with your right hand. Otherwise, the falsifiers would have had cause for doubt. So, it is actually said here that the Prophet didn't write with his hand. Our next question is from Fatima. The question is as follows. After I got familiar with the Alatra knowledge, many verses of the Quran became clear and easy for me to understand. 
Yet I came across an ayat that I still cannot understand. I will read out some ayat of this surah. It is surah 81. It is said here that when the sun is covered, and when the stars darken, and when the mountains are made to pass away, and when the seas are set on fire, and when souls are united, and when the female infant buried alive is asked for what sin she was killed, and when the books are spread, and when the hell is kindled up, and when the garden is brought near, every soul shall then know what it has prepared. Most surely it is the word of an honored messenger, the processor of strength, having an honorable place with the Lord of the Dominion want to be obeyed and faithful in trust. It is nothing but a reminder for the nations, for him among you who pleases to go straight. If we take each ayat and analyze it separately, look what it turns out to be when the mountains are made to pass away. As a matter of fact, this applies to our time and to the increased frequency of cataclysms including earthquakes, when mountains really move. The second point is when the seas are set on fire. I believe many of you remember that in recent years a lot of accidents happened when oil spilled into seas and oceans, and indeed huge fires broke out. So we can really say that the seas were set on fire. When souls are united, this ayat relates to the fact that today, thanks to the knowledge brought by Mahdi, people's souls are really awakening, and the souls start uniting. For many years, the Alatra International Public Movement has already been existing and acting. It's a movement that was exactly formed on the basis of the primordial knowledge brought by Mahdi. The movement is guided by this very knowledge and is spreading it among people. It is actually a union of souls, and there are more and more of such people with every passing day. And here's exactly the point which provoked Fatima's question. What does it mean that the female infant buried alive will be asked what sin she was killed for? Many interpreters of the Quran explain these ayat in such a way that supposedly the times of jahiliyyah or ignorance are meant here. The times before the advent of Islam, when Arabs had a custom of burying their daughters alive. However, a different thing is actually meant here. As a matter of fact, these ayats speak about Alatra. What is Alatra? Alatra is the primordial knowledge. Alatra is the love of Allah the Almighty. Alatra is the truth from Allah. And this truth was buried alive. These ayat may be understood allegorically as well. It is when all mentions of Alatra were eliminated when all signs, all symbolic images and all the knowledge related to Alatra were erased. Thus, being alive, being the living knowledge of Allah, being Allah's love, this truth was concealed from people for many centuries. Slaves of Iblis were eliminating all irrelevant mentions. 
and hiding this truth in every way possible. So today, we can ask it, for what sin it was concealed and buried alive. When the books are spread, aren't all the books spread today? After all, Mahdi explains the basis of every religion, the basis of every teaching brought by the prophets, which were later on transformed into institutions of controlling people, that is, into religions. Today, the books are really spread. Each of them is spread, and every religion is given by Mahdi in its genuine form, in its original, initial, pure form, precisely as it was conveyed by the prophets who brought these teachings. Next, it is said exactly about Jibreel. Most surely it is the word of an honored messenger, the processor of strength, having an honorable place with the Lord of the Dominion, meaning with Allah, one to be obeyed and faithful in trust. It is nothing but a reminder for the nations, for him among you who pleases to go straight. Summarizing the answer, Fatima, these ayat refer exactly to Alatra, Alatra which they really try to conceal, but the truth always triumphs. The next question is from Shamil from Dagestan. What's the point of Mukata? What do they mean? For those of our viewers who don't know what it is, Mukata is a combination of letters at the beginning of certain surahs. 29 surahs out of 114 begin with such Mukata. In other words, it's the opening letters, as they are also called. So, what is this? What do they mean? Shamil is asking. Nowadays, many interpreters, many scholars certainly explain it in their own way, calling it a mystery, and so on and so forth. Yet, owing to the knowledge given by Imam Mahdi, today we know for sure that there are actually no mysteries in this. It is merely a designation of surahs, it is numbering. In ancient times, in many religions and cultures, numbers could be written in letters as well. So these words, mukata, are exactly the numbering of surahs, and it is also a sound sequence with a semantic representation behind it, meaning it's a sign or a letter as a certain semantic representation of what is said in the surah. To cut a long story short, Mukata is the numbering of surahs and a brief explanation of what is said in relevant surahs. It is basically the meaning of the surahs. The next question is asked by Rashid. Why do the girls who are in the videos with Mahdi not wear a hijab? To answer this question, I will read out certain explanations to what hijab actually is. And then I will give a straight answer to why the girls in the videos do not wear hijab. So, hijab is a veil that completely covers a woman's body, including her head. 
Other meanings of the word hijab include screen, cover, cloak, curtain, partition, barrier, fence. The word hijab appears in the Quran seven times. Moreover, it is mentioned there five times in the form hijab and two times in the form hijaban. In particular, it is Surah 7, Ayat 46. Surah 33, Ayat 53 Surah 38, Ayat 32 Surah 41, Ayat 5 Surah 42, Ayat 51 Surah 17, Ayat 45 And Surah 19, Ayat 17 Yet, none of these meanings of the word hijab is used in the Quran in such a context as Muslims call hijab nowadays. As a matter of fact, hijab is an ancient Jewish tradition that later penetrated into the Hadith along with many other novelties. The Jewish tradition, described in religious books, refers to the covered head of a Jewish woman. The rabbinic law prohibits uttering glorifications to God or prayers in the presence of bareheaded married women because in the Jews' understanding, a bareheaded woman is considered to be naked. Although covering one's head wasn't always regarded as a sign of modesty. At times, a head veil largely symbolized a woman's high status, her nobility and inaccessibility as an indication of her husband's piety. Arabs of all conventional religions, Jews, Christians and Muslims used to wear hijab not because of Islam but due to traditions. In Saudi Arabia, the majority of men still cover their heads not because of Islam, but due to traditions. It is also known that in the times of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, many women of Mecca walked around half-naked with their breasts uncovered. For example, from Surah 33, Ayat 33, it is Surah Al-Aqzab, we also know that godless women of that time were quite loose in their clothing and exposed their bodies. Therefore, in Surah 33, Ayat 33, it is said 
Do not display yourselves as was the display of the former times of ignorance. While in Surah 24, Ayat 31, it is said, Say to the believing women that they should lower their gaze and guard their modesty, that they should not display their beauty and ornaments except what must ordinarily appear, that they should draw their veils over their bosoms and not display their beauty except to… And then there's a list of exceptions. So, there is a straightforward statement that women should draw veils over their bosoms. Before Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, started his prophetic mission, many women walked around half-naked. That is why it was said that they shouldn't display their beauty and ornaments, but there is no statement that they should cover themselves with hijabs totally. If Allah the Almighty wants to convey anything to people, will He be sparing of words? After all, he didn't say they should be totally covered. He said they should not display their beauty and ornaments. They should draw veils over their bosoms, lower their gaze and guard their modesty. Yet, there is no statement that they should totally cover themselves with these hijabs, the wearing of which is merely a tradition, a Jewish tradition which was adopted by the Arabs, because Arabs are actually Semites, akin to those very Jews. Now, let's go back to the question regarding the girls who helped Mahdi in his holy mission, and why they don't wear hijabs. Each of these maidens actually wears a much more beautiful garment than all hijabs of the world taking together. It's a garment of sanctity and service to Allah the Almighty. Each of them is an example of purity and chastity. What chastity is, Mahdi explained it as well, that it means completeness and wisdom. So, a chaste person is the one who lives by the wisdom coming from Allah. Each of these maidens, both those who are on-screen and those who are off-screen, they are my sisters. That says it all. As for what is said in the Quran, if all those people, including Rashid, that's the name of the person who asked this question. If he took the trouble to read the Quran, there is a straightforward statement. In Surah 7, Ayat 26, O children of Adam, we have bestowed upon you clothing to conceal your private parts and as adornment, but the clothing of righteousness, that is best. This should be the basis, but not what clothes a person wears. In every country there are certain traditions and a certain idea of modesty. So applying your own yardstick to everyone is arrogant at the very least. Still, we should proceed from the fact that the best garment is righteousness. Allah the Almighty 
doesn't look either at our appearance or at our wealth. He looks only at our hearts and our deeds. This is what guides the one who's a real Muslim while all the rest are just Pharisees, hypocrites and prudes, who themselves don't live by the love for Allah, but nevertheless they consider themselves entitled to teach other people this. Such people are mentioned in the Quran. At the very beginning of Surah 2, Al-Baqarah, this is described in detail and clearly. When they are told not to commit corruption in the land, they reply, we are only reformers. Again, let me emphasize that we are talking exactly about the clergy, namely about those who consider themselves having the right to teach people how to live, having the right to control people. We are now talking specifically about these people, or rather inhumans. They consider themselves entitled to teach everyone. So, in fact, it is specifically about them that it is said in this ayat, we are only reformers. We tell everyone what Islam should be like. That the Prophet lived this way and we live this way. We have pure faith. But where is this pure faith? In words? In some external rituals and ceremonies? But is it present in your hearts? And what is there in your hearts except pride? and exaltation of yourselves over others. And isn't it said in the Quran about those who exalt themselves over others and about what is awaiting them? Now, let's proceed to the next question. It is very short and unsigned. How to come to Allah? What intention a person has, such will be the reward. If a person sincerely strives for Allah, he will definitely come to Him. And it is really simple. One should accept this knowledge and start implementing it in everyday life. Start living by it. Not just read the words or listen to words, but accept them in the heart and begin living by this. Make it a foundation of one's existence in this world. One should eliminate all ambitions and be honest with oneself. And then nothing will stop such a person. He will surely come to his goal and will return to Allah the Almighty. You can come to God only through love. There is no other way. Only through the truth and through knowledge. Knowledge can only come through love. Many people often wonder, what is the meaning of my existence? What is it for? Well, since I was born, since I'm here, it means that I'm needed for something. And what is my mission? Well, your mission, my friend, is exactly to return home. And home is one for all. And it's you who choose whether you live or die. Whereas this intermediate state of existence, what we call life, is exactly given for your choice, for you to make a decision. The next question is from a Muslim girl who didn't write her name. The question is as follows. I'm studying Alatra knowledge and I feel that it is really such a knowledge which an ordinary human couldn't give. I understand that this is Mahdi, but my husband is against it. And we started having conflicts on this basis in our family. What should I do? Our dear sister, 
As a matter of fact, you shouldn't worry and sadden your heart. This situation is actually quite common, and there is nothing supernatural in it. This often happens. It often happens that when one of the family members woke up and started getting out of the system stall, the stall in which Iblis keeps a human, Iblis starts messing up this person through another person, a relative, a friend, a husband, a wife, it doesn't matter, so as to influence through them the one who woke up. Why? Because Iblis is really scared that the one who woke up will awaken the one who is near. Iblis is afraid that once they both wake up, they will be even more united. Not just a family that is tied by the bonds of marriage, but a family that is tied by genuine aspiration and pure love for Allah, love in the highest, the purest meaning of this word. Iblis is really afraid of such a union. That is why it's important for you to understand that all the negativity which comes from your husband at this stage is not because your husband is bad. No, it is simply because Iblis, through your husband's consciousness, through his nafs, now begins to actively oppose that you change yourself, become purer and closer to Allah, and thus could help your husband to come to the same. Therefore, it's important that you treat it with awareness, with wisdom, with woman's care, and with an understanding that your husband is not guilty of anything. He's just a slave of Iblis for now, just like millions of other people on earth. He simply has no idea that those thoughts which Iblis whispers to him are not his own inferences, thoughts or conclusions. He takes it all as his own and therefore acts, being guided by this. But you already have the knowledge and you understand that these thoughts do not belong to us. So your actions should first and foremost be guided by love and understanding. And the more diligent and sincere your work on yourself will be to eradicate all the most negative things in yourself and to come exactly to a righteous, proper life. So the more active this work will be, the easier it will be for your husband. Because all the changes that will take place in you, they, whether Iblis wants this or not, your husband's personality, meaning precisely the spirit, the one who he really is, will feel the invisible support from you, your love, your care, your wisdom and your understanding. Then he will see that in front of his eyes a person begins to really change. He will see a living example of how a person accepted the knowledge of Mahdi, the knowledge of Alatra, and really started changing, becoming better and purer.
This is the best way to show a person that the knowledge of Alatra is the knowledge from Allah. Seeing such a living example before his eyes, what a fool wouldn't want to be the same, righteous, pleasing to Allah the Almighty, the one who knows Allah the Almighty in his heart, not just in words or in some books, no, he feels and knows him inside himself. And he himself begins to live by this love, to reveal himself to the Almighty. This is the best example, this is the best way, because we should, first of all, change ourselves, not other people, but ourselves. And when we change, people will also change, because they will have a living example before their eyes. Dear brothers and sisters, thank you for your questions. Send them again if there are any points that we haven't fully revealed. If you have any other questions, suggestions, maybe some ideas on how to spread the message of the advent of Mahdi, the call of Mahdi, even more effectively among the entire Oma, we will happily welcome every person, every brother who is watching this video and every sister who is also watching our video. We would like to wish everyone only one thing, that Mahdi's knowledge becomes your asset, and then you will have a full right to choose. You will know exactly what you choose between in this life. This right of choice is given by Allah, and when a person has the knowledge, the true knowledge of who he is, he can make his real choice. We sincerely wish each of you to find this opportunity, or rather, to use it, so that you have the courage and wisdom to use this opportunity and get familiar with the knowledge that Imam Mahdi himself has brought by the will of Allah the Almighty. May the will of Allah the Almighty be upon it.